welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about just how real and how hard and how horror show this book wants to go. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And this week on Forever Canon, we're going to talk about chapters 13 through 16 of book one of the New Jedi Order, Vector Prime by R.A. Picavowel Sound Salvatore. Let's rhyme mm-hmm. it to his initial. Yep. There we go. Definitive answer. I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> this week, um, well, we kind of pick up where we left off last time with everything uh, being threatened from behind the scenes, and some of the fireworks start to get lit off this week in mm-hmm. four very long chapters to make a big old chunker for us this week. Yeah. 70-something pages as opposed to the regular 50. Doesn't sound like much more, guys, but I complain about it every time. That's this week, though. First, bum, bum, bum. Previously, on Forever Canon, scientists start dropping. Danny gets VIP POW treatment. Nervous parents watch teen daughter dominate asteroids. Nominor escapes. The Yuzhan Bong plan a lunar smasheroo. Han screams... Chewy howls, shields are down. That was last week. Yeah. Where we left Han Solo and Chewbacca smashing into an asteroid uh, <laughs> in bumper car playground because the technology failed them. Yep. Because it's it's new technology that Lando's inventing. And don't mind my dog flopping around on his dog bed if you can hear that. He's being a good boy. So, let's start with chapter 13, titled... Minus 13. And instead of picking up with Han and Chewbacca, we pick up with someone who already left Bumper Car Palace, Kip Durin, who's daydreaming about having those solo kids join his squad. How good would that be for publicity? It might be a challenge to my leadership. Blah, 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 blah. While the currently dozen and two Avengers pick up their space traffic cam. That they hid out at a hyperspace lane, I guess, on the edge of the yeah, galaxy. Some sort of spy buoy. Well, they've been looking for smugglers, right? So I'll give them. Mm-hmm. I'll give them that. On this traffic cam, Kip Durin spots Danny Quee's jump from Belkadan to Helska and decides they are going to investigate runaway scientists. We cut to Luke Skywalker flying the belt in his X-Wing. Is it a challenge for him while he's looking for Han and Chewbacca? Not at all. No, he's doing all sorts of maneuvers and flips and rolls. And he's reminiscing on his love for Han Solo and how sad he'd be if Han died. Sucks to be Chewbacca, I guess. He wouldn't be sad if Chewbacca died. He doesn't mention that name. He says, how sad I would be if my best friend Han, after all these decades, died. But Tim, let me point out to you that Luke Skywalker is directly speaking to us about main characters dying. Yes. While Han and Chewbacca have smashed into an asteroid. Yeah. (laughs) And we're starting off on this new journey of this gigantic series of an invading species into the galaxy. Luke Skywalker sits here and thinks, about halfway through the book, about a third of the way through the book, would be really sad if my best friend died. Mm-hmm. Red flags went off in my head. I don't know about you guys. But don't worry. They're fine. Immediately after he thinks that, he finds them parked on an asteroid. Yeah, they landed on one of the spinning, floating... Some sort of impossible landing. But there they are, arguing. Mm-hmm. Classic solo tradition. 
I wonder where <laughs> the, the kids got it from. And as I was reading it, I had a moment where I felt absolutely so stupid. Okay. Do you get the metaphor of running the asteroid belt? Do you get what they're training for in a meta sense of this story? I didn't... Dodging coral skippers. Yeah. I didn't figure that out until last night. And just right now, I was thinking, I wonder if any of these coral skippers or anything, they look like asteroids. They could be hidden in the belt already. They could just already. be floating in there. Spying. Nah. Nah. But yeah. Not. Oh, that's what that's what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Shout out to everyone who's been screaming that at their podcast for three or so weeks while I haven't figured that out until just now. But hey, you know what? I can be smart too sometimes. But back to the story. Coral skipper practice aside, Han and Chewbacca are rescued. Easy peasy. And it's time to reflect on near misses and to tell them how great they are. Han and Chewbacca, let's take a moment to appreciate how great they are. They were a unit, comrades, the closest and most trusted of friends. And by definition of that bond, the credit for either one's exploits would be deservedly shared by the other. They're a unit. Mm-hmm. They're comrades. You could never have better friends than Han and Chewbacca. And I would be so sad if Han Solo died. Don't care about Chewbacca, I guess. It didn't, <laughs> didn't even cross my mind as Luke Skywalker. But, oh, my best friend. His dog, sure. But my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about this last night, too. The reason why Han Solo travels with Chewbacca in a, um, a character sense, why you build that into the writing, is to make the unlikable, unlikable guy likable. He has a dog that he treats well. Mm-hmm. Right? He has a pet. Sort of. A sidekick. A dog friend yeah. that he treats really well. So then we're like, okay, he can't be all bad. He's just a bad guy doing bad things to bad people. Mm-hmm. Right? Anyways, we wouldn't be so sad about that. But if Han Solo died, Luke Skywalker would be devastated. It's just, how great are they, huh? <laughs> Man, this is freaking me out. Yeah, they, they are a team, inseparable, have we're been together forever. We're focusing way too much yeah. on how awesome these two are and how it would be sad if a main character died. Mm-hmm. Look out. Cut to Kip and his squad arriving at Helska 4 to find activity on the planet surface and asteroid starfighters with pilots. Yeah. Oh, I figured it out, Tim, right before it happened. Like, that's that's great writing or I'm also dumb. Both. I'm going to give yeah. it a mix of both because yep. that's awesome. I figured out the trick right before we did the trick. Because here comes Kip Duran and team into a pile of coral skippers. <laughs> and what have they been doing for months? Yeah. Running the belt. Yeah, practicing. Getting the high score on the leaderboard, right? Uh, I can't believe I didn't figure that out. <laughs> but not only do they get to exercise all that practice and to function, we also get our first large-scale encounter with the Yuzhan Vong. Yeah. As a battle for choked to death on battle force <laughs> but this larger scale man it 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 goes really bad for kip and his dozen and two the coral skippers somehow use gravity to tear away the fighter shields and hot rocks do the rest yeah i don't know what, what chance metal is supposed to stand against lava blobbers 
Yeah. When you don't have your magnetic shields to uh, uh, deflect things away, I guess. Yeah, right? it takes it takes the Yuzhan Wang a minute, but it takes them a few seconds. And you're right. Yeah, the New Republic forces, or I guess the Jedi, the, the Kip Durin and the dozen and two Avengers are kind of kicking asteroids. Yeah, they're like, yeah, our shields got it. They're no, like, oh, no yeah. big deal. It's there's a lot of them, but we can take them out over time. Pew pew pew. And then like someone goes, my shields. What? <laughs> and then they're just like oh that's how we beat these infidels it was interesting i noticed that too it took like let's say in in D parlance it took a couple rounds of combat for them to figure out how to destroy their defenses and then just obliterated them yeah kip is forced to flee and he jumps to safety as the lone survivor mm-hmm. but not before he picks up a few hitchhikers Shot out of the chest of one of these coral skippers. Some sort of bug things. Yeah. He's got hitchhiker trouble. But I think I figured out the title. Yeah. Minus 13 (laughs) indeed, man. This is what they can do. This is what the Yuzhan Vong are capable of. And this is how intelligent they are to figure out this advantage so quickly. Yeah, it was... Yikes. For even though they've been here for a while, they've been been able to study technology. They haven't had these encounters. Yeah, where you can build all the war machines you want, but until you smash them into each other, you've no idea what they're capable. Mm-hmm. Of. Well, look at what they're capable of: two Jedi and twelve other veteran pilots, all but one annihilated. Yeah, obliterated uh, in minutes. Wow. No chance. No. The also, dozen and two become one. The dozen and two, the minus thirteen, after we after Han and Chewie just get put in mortal danger the chapter before, like before we pick up this week, and then Luke's talking about how sad it would be if anyone died. Then they murder twelve people immediately in the next paragraph. Mm-hmm. Okay, one of them being a Jedi. Take it serious, guys, because mm-hmm. like this new. I think this is also like a new tone for the Star Wars books as they start the series. You know, they're they're mostly the books are li- a little lightier, lightier, mm-hmm. <laughs> a little lightier and camperer where like, you, you know, it's that that the that old serial story of where you're like the hero's in danger. How will he escape this week? Find out next week. You know, he's he's going to escape. Yeah. You're going to live. The heroes are going to live. It's going to be fine. But between talking about the kids taking over, mm-hmm. <laughs> how great all these heroes are, and how sad it would be if one of them died, and then murdering 12 people in a heartbeat. Yeah. I'm getting nervous, man. Yeah, it's not looking good for the galaxy on a whole. For this invasion that's going to not be a short-term thing based on how far ahead the Yuzhan Vong already are. In the setting up. Yeah. The scaffolding. Oh, my God. Oh, we cut to Lando. Fan favorite. Wants Han to go to Cernpedal. Drop off some goods on some New Republic business, which helps the New Republic look the other way with some of my less discretionary business dealings. Or mm-hmm. more discretionary? I guess I'm not entirely sure what that word means. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, hey, Han, I need you to do a favor. I need you to go to that planet that last episode the bad guys are planning to smash a moon into. 
Mm-hmm. Ah, it'd be so sad if you died. I need you to go <laughs> to the currently most dangerous place in the galaxy. And we all need Lando. So we have to do the favor for him, right? Luke needs Lando to uh, what? I, he had a thing. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. I can't either. Stop but... the smugglers or track down the smugglers. The Leia needs Lando because, you know, you got to have that inside in the New Republic and tracking down who's corrupt inside the government council. Got there. But I don't like him. Yep. <laughs> but he knows a lot of people. So. Well, he sure isn't. He? Isn't he just always convenient? What a friend to have. He's going to ask you to go to Cernpedal. And then also we get a message from Kip Durin. Because before they jumped to Helska, when they had seen the camera footage, they looked at Belkadan somehow. Yeah. And they're like, ah, it's it's a greenish blue storm out there. So I want you to go check it out. We're going to Helska. See ya. <laughs> right. No explanation. That's the message. Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. You probably didn't even tell him where he was going. But Lando says, why don't we go check that out too? Okay. Mm-hmm. So Luke and Mara will go to Belkadan. To deal with whatever's happening with the storm. And Han and Chewbacca will deliver all the goods to Cern Padal. Good check-in on it for recording. Mm-hmm. Leia suggests you should take Anakin with you. You two have had some friction between you since the rough entry into Coruscant where the Millennium Falcon got a little smacked up. Take him with you. We gotta have you two reconnect and rebuild this bond. And then, at the end of this chapter... Some omniscient narrator flies in <laughs> yep. and tells us Cernpadal, quote, would prove to be the most harrowing journey of Han Solo's life. Yeah. What? What is that scary warning? And who is saying that? The writer. The, who, we don't have a narrator in Star Wars books, man. Yeah. We have third-person perspectives. We don't have a narrator that says... And this is how it was going to be. <laughs> like uh, like Arrested Development, man. One of the funniest gags on Arrested Development. Someone on the show will be like, and then, and then this is what's going to happen. And then the narrator goes, and that's not what happened. <laughs> yeah, whatever, right? God, what is, what is this weird format break? Yeah. So bizarre. Also, the most harrowing journey of Han Solo's life. Tim, are the heroes in danger? Well, Han, Chewie, and Anakin are all heading to the Moon Smash planet. Are they? Could they possibly be in danger? Wow. Why minus 13? Well, okay. <laughs> There's an obvious answer, right? Is there like a less obvious, more subtle answer? Is there like T minus 13 days until the moon smashes into the planet? Is minus minus thirteen? What a, what a, I don't know. I got nothing else. But other they than that. killed thirteen of Kip Duren's friends. Yep. As a guy who's already like battled with his share of the dark side, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be concerning. Actually, hadn't considered that. Kip Duren's been a major figure in the first half of this book so far. He's yeah. the only other Jedi that we talked to outside of the family. Mm-hmm. I think there's that He's, that one guy. Who his friend? No, the one Kip guy, best friend Miko, that bothered uh, Leia and them at Ramamul. That one dude. 
Oh, right. Worth Skitter. Yeah. Right. Anyways. I need to start with a W. I wanted to call him Wormer. I just wonder if Kip Duren's going to be an important character. I'm genuinely wondering this because I don't remember. And if that, any, you know, having 13 of his friends murdered in front of his face in, a, in an instant is going to at all weigh on his conscience and maybe be a bit of a thing moving forward. Yeah, it might be a thing. Chapter 14. Closer. Closer. These titles are freaky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kip has a hitchhiker problem. As I mentioned, he's got some acid pincered insect beasts cutting into his ship like a good old fashioned Clone Wars buzz droid. Yeah. Like the opening of episode two, right? But they're yucky. (laughs) (laughs) They're not cool machines. They're disgusting bugs. And he has to blow his cockpit canopy, which means, okay, he's in an X-Wing. Yep. We all can picture an X-Wing if we're listening to this podcast. If you can't. Google it. Just good luck. I don't know. It's like, it's 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 an X-Wing. God, I don't have better better words. It's a fighter jet with four it's, wings. It's tough out here today. Anyways, he has to blow the lid off of his fighter jet. Yep. And so, but the difference is, he's in space. So that's a bit of a problem, is it not? <laughs> he's got like his vac suit on, right? So he's yeah. got astronaut suit on with oxygen. But he has to blow the lid off and then crawl all over the outside of his ship Using his lightsaber to kill all the bugs. While it's spinning and rotating in space. It's out of absolutely out of control. Adding G-forces and centri- centrifugal force. He's waiting for it to kick him off. The yep. <laughs> He's going to get spun off the thing eventually. He uses the force to like settle down the spin. He uses the controls to smush one of the bugs in the X-Wing. <laughs> yeah, he closes the foils on it. Yeah. Oh, but this scene is like a really wild action hero... This guy's out here on the edge of the galaxy by himself with no lid on his ship (laughs) in an astronaut suit crawling on the body of the ship fighting acid destructor bugs with a laser sword. That have already killed his uh, R4 unit or (sighs) R5 or whatever. he was so sad about. He was. You know what he didn't think about? A named person from his Avengers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the droid though was the last straw, right? Like that yeah. was like that's all, that's all the grief I can actually process. Yeah, is the robot, and it was I making him put, angry. I got to put my minus thirteen friends aside. I can't deal with that guilt and that sadness right now. So I'm going to channel it into the droid. And then you're right. Here comes like those dark side tendencies at him, right? He was getting all mad, mm-hmm. but he managed to center himself a lot enough over and over to survive. But how are you going to survive now when your ship has no lid and you have to fly somewhere because you're in the deadness of space and you only have X amount of time in your breather tuber? Mm-hmm. He's going to use the force to redirect the ship's power to the shields, which will electromagnetically keep away all the space debris so he doesn't file his skin <laughs> into <laughs> atoms <laughs> when he... Starts to make little micro hyperspace jumps. (laughs) Just long enough while he can hold the power and everything in balance with the force. And then he feels the engine's going to splutter out and he has to drop out of hyperspace. Or friction grind himself to dust. Yep. Because there's no lid on your ship. He's flying through space with no protection. He's got to go to the closest planet. He could go back to where Lando is, but that's way too risky to do that many jumps. 
Gotta just go to the closest planet. What does that happen to be? Yep. Cernpedal. Another person. Makes sense, though. Big name person heading to Moon Smash Planet. It makes, it makes sense if when we looked at the map last week, Belkadan, Helska 4, and now this other name I can't remember that I just said. The Cernpedal? Yes, thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Belkadan and Cernpedal are like neighbors. Yeah. So him being at Helska 4, which is like the next step in from Belkadan, if we look down that vector prime... Right in the front of the map, you can see us if you connect the dots, a straight line to the core of the galaxy. Right, yeah, starting at out here at Xgal 4 at the edge of the galaxy with Belkadan. Helska 4 is a step in, so the closest planet for him is Cernpedal. And this book is so scary, <laughs> he's fighting monster bugs in the vacuum of space while spinning out of control inside and out. And then he has to fly with no protection, going faster than light. Oh, my God. We cut to. Less horror. Psych! <laughs> Danny Kui is honorable enough to serve the Yuzhan Vong. That's good for her. Mm-hmm. Lucky. And the new prisoner shows up, but he is not worthy. So we're going to feed him to, remember, the war coordinator... The Yamask. It's two thin and sticky inner tendrils had entwined her, pulling her in, in between the huge tentacles of the beast and toward those black eyes in that singular toothy maw. Danny Quee's recollection of her interaction with the Yamask, which yes. we saw last episode as a gigantic Kangy Simpson, big single fang. Yep. Diving, digging machine brain covered in tentacles? Not machine, excuse me. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Sacrilege. <laughs> Jed, truly. But this living brain full of tentacles with a single tooth. Yeah, and a grabbed her. Maw. Grabbed her and brought her close. And then even the Yamisk decided, you don't have to die. You can serve us. We'll find some way for you to be useful. This creep show brain. The new prisoner is Miko. The other Jedi. Kip's apprentice. His right hand. Yeah. His right wing <laughs> man <laughs> in the squadron. He survived. Because they captured him. Mm-hmm. And we'll find out why. But he's a survivor. And he's a Jedi, but he's not worthy? Danny Kui can't imagine that. How are you a Jedi possibly not worthy of joining the Yuzhan Vong? And I am. She tells him everything she knows about the Yuzhan Vong, and they decide they've got to escape. Yeah, that's only going to go well. <laughs> we cut to Naminor and Prefect Dagara reviewing the win up in the space of Elskafor. <laughs> Uh, the Dovin Basils on the front of the Coral Skippers, which is their gravity-controlling beast. Like, yeah, like their propulsion system. That's what and... they use to rip the shields off. They launched the Grutchins into action, which is dangerous because they're not even tamed. Those are just an uncontrolled, wild-winged insect acid beast that they use in times of desperation, I guess. Yeah, because even the ones that were left from the battle, those little acid bugs, yep. they had to kill. They had to destroy because they can't even recapture them. You can't them. even recapture them. Just kill them. And so, like, they're kind of bothered. I was going to say bugged. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even mean to. They're kind of, like, worried that a few of them 
attached to Kip's ship or whatever have gotten loose in the galaxy. It's a bit of a problem, according to these guys. But you know what? It's great. We kicked ass here. <laughs> yeah, we lost 10 ships. <laughs> these but guys we figured don't it stand out. a chance. Yeah, exactly. He's like, you know, took us a minute. They had us in the first half. I'm not going to lie. But we got it. Anyways, let's also review our plan to break Jedi Miko, who I don't think gets the last name. I don't know if uh, He might. They're very, very interested in turning a Jedi. Turns out he's worthy after all. And they're playing this whole psychological game where I just bit my lip. And <laughs> they're going to convince this guy that he's going to die. And that's going to break his will and bring him over to the blank side. Or turn him into a blubbering mess for just to see. One way or another. Yep. It's a test, right? Oh, also, in this chat, the second world ship is coming to Helska 4 today. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. The first one, That's there's two now. That's That's good. They're quite ahead of the New Republic, who just had their first interaction with these guys, who are now bringing their second force to come and land on the planet. Yeah, and with the, the third one, go ahead. The third one will be here in a week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yikes. There's, there's going to be a lot here in the next six, seven days. Man. And we cut to the prisoner cave with Danny and Miko, where they take their chance. Three Yuzhan Vong guards come up. Out of the water hole with their nulliths and oogliths on, and they attack three Yuzhan Vong guards unarmed. Mm-hmm. Nico tries to field them in the force, but only, quote, deep empty space. Maybe that's why these guys are so mad. They can't feel the magic. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they hate everything so much. <laughs> Stupid. Anyways, we get a really great fight description where Miko and Danny are jumping around. A lot of a lot of hand to hand combat, a lot of really well written flow that I was actually able to follow. Like there was this one part where Miko was blocking a staff or something with his left arm, and then he pushed it down this way, and he wrapped it into his elbow, and he spun around and elbowed him with his right elbow. I it was like the most visually able to grasp a fight scene I've ever felt. Yeah, I was really able to follow like the. Uh, I can't think of another word other than visual, but the way that it would look, I had, a, I just, I saw it all happen rather than like, I picked glimpses mm. of what I can understand out of the text. Especially uh, with your, with your difficulty in visualization oh, and like, yeah. like having to do Struggles. that. Yeah. But yeah, this is really good. Like, this one was just really well written in a way that was easy to follow. And the fight scene was awesome. Mm -hmm. Danny Quee did really well. I did not know for, that she was a, for a normie. trained assassin. <laughs> yeah, no like, kidding. She was nasty in this fight. Wicked good. First thing she did was like kick a guy to the ground and try to choke him to death, crush his windpipe with her forearm. How yeah. do you even know to do that? <laughs> what training do you have? She's like awesome. 23 years old. She's too. cool. She's really cool. These kids are taking over. <laughs> uh, so the fight uh, ends as you would expect. They... Beat three Yuzhan Vong warriors and they escape back up that ribbed tube all the way to the world ship. Yep. Where Prefect Agara is waiting. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the breaking. 
I'm going to give you hope on purpose that you never actually had just to show you how hopeless ah, freaking using the same words repetitively today. This is disgusting, psychologically awful. Yeah. Cause and awesome. The first thing he says is, wow, it took you longer than I thought or something like that. Yep. You didn't even get here as fast as I thought you would in this allowance of escape that I've given you this dribble of chance of faith of hope that you have survival and no you're not worthy and Danny Kui I'm disappointed that you didn't get here faster yeah and then he's got a pile of goo monster to trap Miko Mm -hmm. and a flying ball snitch from Harry Potter for Danny quote did you believe that you had a chance pure evil yep the goo thing like wraps all up Miko's body, catches a spear in midair. Like the spear leaves his arm and then the goo reaches out and catches yeah, it goes. off the end of his fingers. Nasty. And then this bug thing that won't stop coming for Danny Kui. It hits her in the chest and she goes flying across the room. Yeah, and she's so stunned. She just lays there for a few seconds. Can't move. Whew. Well, we've recaptured the captured and we head to the Yamisk's burp bubble. Where it telepathically... Yeah, it is, right? Mm-hmm. It's weird. <laughs> Anyways, you get it. Where the Yamisk will telepathically let Danny understand everything that's happening in the gathering in front of her. There's a huge ceremony. The second world ship has arrived. A second prefect... Ah, oh, shit. Misharin. Yeah, or Mishaida. Misharin. Something. Something, yeah. Shit, I should have wrote that down. There's an apostrophe in her name. And... The prefects are wearing some sort of very fancy red robes. And the EMS allows Danny to understand that you're welcome to the execution of the Jedi Miko, who is not worthy. And I'm going to make him feel real bad yeah. before I eat him. Yeah. Because I love it. It just sends out <laughs> waves of telepathic despair and just. Which, Bad by the things. way, the Yuzhan Vong must also be feeding off of through the Yamisk because they love pain. They love suffering. And so to, you know, to elicit that from a, another being, they're probably feeding off of that in a similar uh, sort of way to other books we previously read. Yeah, like a, a symbiotic relationship with them, with Except the Yamisk. parasitic. Yes. Parasitic, because the host will die. As we cut to Miko feeling real bad. Mm-hmm. Telepathy works. And he's pulled into the mouth by the tentacle brain. His last words, I think, were closer, closer to the mouth. Yep. So what does closer, closer mean? To the mouth. Yeah. We get that part. Yep. That's the obvious one. What else? To the breaking. That was exactly the next thing I wrote. <laughs> yeah. Closer, closer to... To the full invasion force, too. Yeah. We've now got a second world ship here that uh, I think they said had like 10 times as many warriors. Yeah, because the other ship. Gara treats this new prefect with a little bit of respect, even yeah. though they're the same rank. Yeah, she might be like a, a step above. Yeah, him. prefect second level. Maybe closer to dominating. Look at how, look at how just uh, unbeatable we are. This whole chapter. Yep. We... We're, uh, we, you can't stop us. We, you can't even, we're, we're so many steps ahead of you. You think that you're ahead of us and you're not. And it's wonderful. It's amazing. Or 
is it closer, closer to them being found too soon? They've only got the second world ship here. Bugs have gotten away. Kip Duran got away. Mm-hmm. Two prisoners almost escaped. Wink. <laughs> but like they've been spotted. They've been encountered now. Yeah. And closer, closer. They assume that everybody in that space combat is dead. They don't know about yep. Kip. But there's, but there's no way, no he, way he survived the Grutchens. The two. He almost gets killed by two little bugs. The Grutchen Grundler. <laughs> by the way, do you know who does the voice of Gretchen Grundler from Recess? I do. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> we The kids picked a Recess movie the other night and I was like, that's Ashley Johnson. Yeah, I do. All my life. I didn't even know. Anyways, chapter 15. Awaiting the goddess's arrival. Sounds like me on a D&D night. <laughs> huh the goddess this must be some Yuzhan Vong stuff right yeah because that's who's been talking about gods so far there are no gods that we know in the Star Wars world none of the like advanced civilizations or species that we know of speak frequently about worshipping a higher power it just does not come up in this space science fantasy yeah it's not a big part of the DNA, right? Yeah, even the force isn't so much as that as it is its own right. living, flowing thing. They don't it thing. as a god because yeah. it's something they can control. It's a different, completely different thing. But yeah. yeah, we're awaiting the goddess's arrival where Han, Chewbacca, and Anakin have landed safely at Cernpedal for the most harrowing day of his life. Apparently, <laughs> allegedly. Everyone is screaming... Tosi Karu at him and bustling about very anxiously, nervously. But there's one old man that says uh, something about the goddess and something about orbit. And we cut to Anakin and Chewbacca looking for some help unloading all the goods that we've brought here to Cernpedal and getting screamed Tosi Karu at them. Yeah. And they have their own fun banter between the two of them about who's worse at attracting some assistance. Who's the worst <laughs> carnival barker out of the yeah. two of us? Right? Anakin's trying to use the force to suggest that they help. Chewie's just yelling just at them. screaming <laughs> at everybody. Whew. It's crazy out here on certain pedal for some reason. Yeah, good-naturedly poking at each other's techniques. And everybody's just screaming the same thing at us. I don't know what's going on here. Cut yeah. to frantic cuts. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Cut, cut, cut to Han asks Anakin... What do you feel in the force? And Anakin realizes, and I realize, even as a reader, whoa. First of all, Han Solo doesn't ask for advice or help from anyone. Second of all, Han Solo doesn't ask for help from the force. Third of all, this is his teenage son, who is 15. Yep. You probably don't ask him for his opinion and help very often either. Whoa. This is a pretty big moment. Leia was right. Bring Anakin to Cernpedal. We'll patch up that damage to your relationship on the entry to Coruscant and everything will be good. He does not do this very often. Rely on the Force and his kid. Man, they're bonding for real. That's great. Anakin feels on this planet fear. Mm-hmm. Insightful. <laughs> In case you couldn't tell. All the aliens running all over. By the mobs of people rioting and running around. <laughs> Some fear here. Everybody's fearing something about... Tosi Karu. Some goddess, Han explained. There's something weird going on down here. Uh, I don't know what Lando's got us into, but I've got a bad feeling about it. Anakin finished. 
managing a sheepish grin at stealing his father's trademark line. They're bonding, Tim. That's a freaking adorable moment. Yep. I've got a <laughs> bad feeling about a dad. Are you going to say your famous line, dad? <laughs> you know, he's half teasing and half also like admiration, but Leia was right. Father, son, fun out here on Cernpital. I've got a bad feeling, though. Yeah. As we finally notice the gigantic moon in the sky. Ah, we missed that one on the flight in, huh? That's bigger than it should be in the sky. Why is that so big? The moon is coming down, as we heard last week. So we go back to the Falcon, where it's being overrun by scared, doomed people. Yeah, they're looting all the crates. We fly up into space to get a better look at the moon and measure with some instruments and get some math. And Cernpedal has seven hours. The question is, how? And why now has this moon fallen out of its orbit? This is impossible to achieve in the technology that we can understand in such a short amount of under time. Under time? Such a short amount of time in this universe. Mm-hmm. Han Solo is like, I don't know, what is happening? They fly up to and around the moon even to figure it out. Something on the planet is pulling it down. We know. Mm-hmm. We Naminor and Prefect Gara had a chuckle about it. And remembered <laughs> how this was the way that the war was won to unify all the all the uh uh what's the what's the who are the 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 people the Mongolian tribes. <laughs> and, and this is the way that the guy. Yeah. All the barbarian tribes came together. Who, who led the Mongolians, brought everybody together and then conquered everything. Like Attila the Hun? Yeah, that's his name. Okay. Don't wear it out. I work with a guy named Attila. That's wild. And he's from Hungary. I'm so sad right now. <laughs> My brain. It just, just stopped. One tooth, man. That's it. <laughs> yeah, one tooth mine today. But anyways, we know what's happening. It's, it's They put a Dovin basil on the planet and it's pulling at the moon. Yeah, and Anakin notices that when it's when the the planet's orbit, as soon as it hits a certain part, the moon like speeds up a yeah, little every bit. Every time the moon crosses this, or I guess when the planet's rotating crosses this part this one axis it's getting like dropped pulled down yep like on a rope or something i gotta go check that out so we gotta fly back down (laughs) and and on our way anakin feels a village die and he really wants to find the pole Mm -hmm. right because imagine the moon is ever closer to the planet and how that affects the tides and not only the tides on the surface in the water also the tides of the molten core of the planet yeah so now we're having tsunamis we're having earthquakes all over the planet an entire village gets wiped out as we fly over top of it and anakin really wants to figure out what's going on here so we split the party Mm -hmm. just like luke and mara go in their own direction from han Chewie and anakin well now we're gonna split this party up even more because dang there's too much to do han and chewbacca are gonna go load refugees while Anakin finds the source of the moon pulling. Quakes, riots, mysterious old man, moon apocalypse. This place is crazy. Oh, and by the way, Anakin, take the old man with you. Yeah. Take this old man who is the mayor. All of a sudden. And talks in riddles. Yeah. Because he's psychologically bent about having failed everybody. Yeah. Or something. Is he guilty? But he calls Han Solo a hero type. 
which just scares me. More. Yeah, yeah, you can't. You, that just scares me. More. You're not going to leave. You're going to try and rescue everybody. You, you, you hero types. So that's where we leave this chapter. Anakin's heading off with a mysterious old man to go find a Dovin Basil somewhere in the city. Han and Chewbacca are loading up refugees into the Millennium Falcon, which they previously kicked all off of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> so <laughs> two steps forward, one step back. Yeah, but. We are awaiting the goddess's arrival. The goddess Tosikaru, which is maybe this small moon. Yeah. And the people on this planet have this mythology where Tosikaru is going to come and save them from the Armageddon or something like that. Maybe. But we're awaiting the goddess's arrival. I. That's the moon. That's the obvious one. What else is... Maybe more hidden or subtle. And for this chapter, I... this this to me seems like a, a broader metaphor for the New Republic and the Yuzhan Vong, maybe, where like all these people are doomed. Mm-hmm. They're praying for salvation, but they're far beyond doomed already. There's nothing anybody is going to be able to do. Yeah, they're way out of their depth on this one. Until Anakin shows up and he's going to save the day with a mysterious young young man. What? He's a young man. <laughs> young man, old man are going to team up to save the day. But it's not his dad? Ah, missed opportunity to bond. I don't know, man. Awaiting the goddess's arrival. The Yuzhan Vong have a goddess too, right? Yan Harla? Yeah. The trickster goddess? Yeah, they have a, they have a few go- gods and goddesses. This is quite the trick. Mm-hmm. Is Kip Durin the goddess? Because we just had an entire chapter on Cern Padal and he did not show up. Waiting for him. Maybe he can do something. He can travel through hyperspace with no canopy. <laughs> this guy's in trouble. He's gonna, he's gonna come to this apocalypse with no windshield. Yeah. What are you gonna do? The moon's not gonna be where you think it is when you jump in. By the way, when they came into this this system, how did they not see all this stuff on the equipment and and, and, and readings already? How I mean, did you not... If you're landing in the city where you can see the moon from the sky, then you saw it all the way to the city? Mm-hmm. Or they were just too busy uh, arguing or something, elbowing yeah, each other in the cockpit? It's one of those things that you don't notice unless you're looking for it kind of deal. Maybe. I don't know. But we're awaiting. If our moon was seven hours from crashing into our planet, I think people would notice quickly. Everybody on the planet knew it. That's true. <laughs> Maybe aliens flying in would be like, I don't know, it's supposed to be like that. We come and land in the city. Why is everybody all crazy? Tosikaru! <laughs> if that ever happens to us, I'm going to start yelling Tosikaru. Chapter 16. Worthy opponent. I'm nervous again. This is some Yuzhan Vong talking right here. <laughs> yep. And Luke and Mara get to Belkadan, where, hey, something's weird about this yellow and green storm. <laughs> they fire up their instruments, they do some detecting, and Mara also seems to be weakening. Mm-hmm. In proximity to the planet, she seems worse. Luke tries to coddle her and say, maybe we should just leave. And instead, he ignites her fierce determination. Yeah. This is also a bit of an introduction to who Mara Jade Skywalker is, right? She is a don't tell me what to do kind of woman i'll take care of it myself yeah very don't tell me what to do very strong-willed and independent and i can take care of it successful yeah if if i need help if i will get it until then 
Don't do that. Exactly. And her history of winning mm-hmm. just reinforces that for her. Luke knows he did the wrong thing, <laughs> but that doesn't matter. Doesn't make him not worry about it. That's right. You can't not worry about your sick wife, especially when you show up to this yellow-green storm planet and she suddenly looks worse. And now you're going down in there, flying into this methane storm. Yeah. Carbon dioxide and methane. Flying your ship with combustive thrusters (laughs) into a methane planet. Famously... Non-flammable methane gas. <laughs> that doesn't seem like it. <laughs> Off to Excal Four, Tim. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I didn't. Th- I didn't think of the combustible <laughs> atmosphere. It would have to be right. It's propane. Propane, for God's sakes. Yeah. Woo. Famously non-flammable methane gas. We had to Excal Four to see what we will find. Cut to Yeoman Car sees them flying in. And he prepares to greet Luke and Mara Jade Skywalker. The previously bored warrior strapped on his Von Dune crab shell plated armor and his bandolier of flying thud bugs did a quick check of his pouch of sentient and binding blorash jelly and took up his amphistaff, another living creature, a vicious serpent that could harden all or part of its body to the consistency of stone, including narrowing its neck and tail so that they would cut like a razor or become supple and whip-like for its Yuzhan Vong master. In the hands of a true warrior like Yeoman Kar, the Amphistaff could become a deadly missile weapon as well, a spear to hurl, or it could spit forth a stream of venom 20 meters with stunning accuracy, blinding opponents instantly and killing them slowly over... Many agonizing hours as the poison seeped in through pores and wounds. Welcome to Excal 4. Can I take your luggage? Yeoman <laughs> uh, Car is now a fully kitted out, fully ramboed up Yuzhan Vong warrior. Yes. As if he wasn't dangerous enough already. My God. He's got names for all that stuff that we saw when prefect Agara tricked uh, Danny and Miko, right? Yeah. That, that was Florash jelly, jelly yeah. on the floor. That was a thud bug that hit her in the chest. He's got an amphistaff, which we haven't seen yet. Rock hard or snake like and spits venom. Sounds bad for a greeting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Here's my snake stick. We cut to R2D2. Has come with Luke and Mara because it's Luke's pet. Yeah, it's his friend. That's how you know Luke's a good guy. <laughs> Takes care of a pet. <laughs> but guess what? R2 is scared. Yeah. That's a red flag. Mm-hmm. When, when the droid is afraid. It's horror movie time as we make our way to the station and into it. There's dead bugs all over the ground. There's howling beasts outside. There's blood on the door. Luke and Mara are on the case. We got to figure out what could have possibly happened to cause this at this planet so quickly. A little bit of a parallel to our friends on Cernpedal. How could this possibly have happened so quickly? You guys don't even understand how much trouble you're in. You Mm -hmm. don't understand the capabilities of these people that are coming to invade your galaxy. Not even a bit. They're on the case. (laughs) Mara touches some Beetlejuice and seems to Luke hollow and drained. 
some sort of bug and spore connection? We don't know. But we cut to the Skywalkers split up. Yeah. We split up the big party. We split up the Cernpedal team. Now we're splitting up the Valkadan team. Hey, man, that's not... That's that's how you die in horror movies every yeah, time. Every, every time. Every time. Every time. And we've only been talking about main characters dying and how sad it would be, but they split up to cover ground. Here's five of, oh, like, eight of them completely split up yep. alone. And Mara's just already sick, already halfway dead. That's fine. She finds an unfinished science report in a desk alongside a beetle jar, the one from Jerem. Mm-hmm. Then... R2 screams. Beep, boop, screech. I don't know what that sounds like. Yeah. Whoa! I don't want to do it right now, but cut to. We all know what it sounds like. Cut to. Guess who found R2? <laughs> Infidel, perversion, sacrilege. Yeoman Carr screams at our favorite little droid as he comes charging at him, throwing things at him, swinging at him. Somehow. <laughs> Somehow. Okay. And the words, I believe the words he rolled out of the way were used even. Somehow R2 escapes and avoids this masterfully trained, very deadly warrior. <laughs> this warrior of death. He's very rusty, I guess. Right. That's why he's been here for a while. He's been practicing killing his friends. He's like, I'm, I got to get an invasion shape here. <laughs> I've been doing science for too long. Got to loosen up those muscles. Yeah, because he or misses it, with a couple of or those Or is it because he's so mad? He Could saw be. the ship come in with people. He figured people. Maybe he didn't think the first thing I'm going to find is a robot. And I'm furious and he's just so outraged he, he can't beat up r2d2 yeah, or he's never dealt with a robot before really and doesn't understand how did the... r2d2 roll I, he, he opens up one how of his little things roll? and yeah. pushes him <laughs> one little covered door bangs open and launches him <laughs> it just rolls him a bit oh my god he somehow <laughs> escapes okay and mara comes to the rescue and yeoman car starts throwing those thud bugs and it's blorash jelly on the floor which was deadly to miko mm-hmm. scary He's no Mara Jade, though. No, and we cut to a lightsaber doesn't cut an amphistaff. Whoops, that's a big disadvantage. Hey, your magic sword is no good here. The blasters don't work on their armor. <laughs> it just goes, pew, and he keeps coming. Sorry, this crab shell is very energy efficient. <laughs> why did we pick black? So it would absorb. And why is it shiny? To reflect. I don't know. Anyways... Yep, your gun's no good here. Your magic sword is no good here. And when she tries to touch him in the force, uh-uh. yeah, that doesn't work. Either. No, sorry, all your special tricks suck. Yeah, they mean nothing. They're useless. And the jelly can move as fast as they can when they're oh flipping and jumping all God. over the place. It's horrifying. She's fighting for her life. She gets bit by the whip snake staff thing, and I'm like, that's bad. She has to. Force push all the blood out of the wound before the poison yeah, gets. She in makes her it body. like explode in blood so she doesn't get poisoned. And she's she's fighting to stay alive inside and out mm-hmm. the whole time because she's feeling worse and worse here in the presence of this other Yuzhan Vong. Ooh, uh, animals, uh, yeah, tools, whatever, living weapons. Ah, she gets them though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Turns out that lightsaber will get you in the back of the knees still. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have enough crabs back there. Yeah, the crab armor, maybe it's all it's all frontal. It's probably just, yeah. Maybe she found a, like a weak point in well, the joint. Well, and that would be right, in the joint at the back of the knees. Yeah. But that's how you get them. <laughs> Chop his legs off and then stick it right in his heart. A direct pierce when he's not able to like get away and stuff, right? That worked. Mm-hmm. He calls her worthy again. Yes. And he calls her Jedi. And she thinks he's looking at me like he knows who I am. They do. Yes, they do. That's another part of the horror show is the monster knows you by name and that you're sick and thinks that's an interesting experiment to see if I can kill you then. Yeah, see who will win. <laughs> She's obviously uh, quite drained from her fight and Luke shows up just in time to whisk her off to safety. She does all the fighting herself. She kills this man herself. She saves herself girl power. Mm -hmm. He comes in at the end of the fight to save his wife from nothing. Yeah. Right? To take care of her after the fact. That's totally allowable. And then they head back to the Jade Saber. Mm -hmm. I want to call it the other ship name, but that doesn't exist yet. (laughs) Yep. They head back to the Jade Saber where Luke decides, I'm going to go back in. I'm going to go look for other things there. This, this is weird here. You're, R2 and you, you're fine here, right? There couldn't possibly be more of those guys in there, right? As yeah. I raise my eyebrows. Yeah. We know there's not, but how the hell would you assume? If, if I signal that there's there, danger, blow a hole in the well, side of maybe, the thing. Yeah, yeah. He's like, here, set the, uh, set the Jade Saber into a patrol uh, route. And uh, if you hear me calm, if you hear static even through the comms, just blow a hole in the wall. Let me out. <laughs> he's probably also thinking my sick wife took one down so like i'm in top shape right now yeah that's okay i'll handle whatever comes to me but he just goes in and out and he come, brings the villips with him that that the yeoman car had stored in his locker that he used to talk to prefect Degara and Naminor. Mm-hmm. so luke takes these basketball sized peeled grapes onto the ship <laughs> <laughs> and with this new found information he says maybe the greatest thing of this chapter luke says thinks to himself but could it all belkadan the beatles the barbaric warrior mara's illness be somehow connected (laughs) (laughs) which is like you know to us a stupid question right yeah but this is his first encounter with any of this stuff they they haven't read the previous 15 chapters like we did. Mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker sees all these things, the bugs, this planet's turned weird, this weird scarred up tattooed guy I've never seen before. Mara feels sicker here. What is going on? What is happening? A mystery to be solved that Luke Skywalker now, closer, closer to being discovered, Luke Skywalker out here on the edge of the galaxy smells something fishy. Yeah, it's starting to like kind of peripherally connect dots or get the dot connecting started. Yeah, the dots, the dots are on the board. Yep. Yes. No lines. Maybe yet. There's no picture yet, but there's, there's dots. <laughs> we got dots. Luke Skywalker's got dots and that's going to be bad news for the Yuzhan Vong. If there's any one person in the galaxy, you don't want to see, you don't want to have, see you sneak in the back door. It's the strongest man alive. Yep. <laughs> but now here he is going, I've got dots out here. I've got dots. And then R2, 
shows the ex-gal asteroid coming in, recordings from the laboratory. He shows Luke and Mara that it came in from outside our galaxy and made it all the way to Helska 4. Another dot. And with all these puzzle pieces, it's off to Helska. Yep. But that's got to be bad news for bad guys. The goodest guy of all is coming to see your base now. Yeah. To discover you, right? But Luke doesn't know what he's getting into either. No, he doesn't. And that could go Kip Duren's way. How about Luke and Mara, though? They have just an awesome relationship in this chapter. They have some like sweet little banter between each other. We get like a real like emotional feel of the way that they think and, and, and see each other. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's a good chapter for their relationship. And we cut to Miko horrified at how many times the Yamisk has fake real execution tortured him. He knows it's fake because he keeps being alive. But every time he's getting eaten, it's very real. Yeah, it feels he, worse, just as or worse. More, more and more building despair every time. And by the time, you know, he can only fight it off for so long. He always eventually accepts it as reality. The breaking is happening. I, I would be too. Mm-hmm. He's breaking and all Danny can do is watch him go crazy. In their little cave prison. Horror show. Yep. Horror show. Over and over and over again. Here's what these people can do to a Jedi. If he's not worthy, what chance do I, the rest of the galaxy's representative, (laughs) possibly stand? Worthy opponent. Indeed. Who is the real worthy opponent? Danny and Miko? No. No, Miko's breaking. Maybe Danny? We'll see. The Yamisk and the Yuzhan Vong? <laughs> that's quite a, quite a worthy opponent. That's a yes. As they've proven in this chapter. How about uh, uh, Mara? Mara for sure. Yeah, the Yeoman Carr says that he she's a worthy opponent. And how about Yeoman Carr? Yeah. Also a worthy opponent. He died probably happily. Mm-hmm. He didn't die a disgraceful Yuzhan Vong death. He was killed in battle by... The strongest warriors of the galaxy. Yeah, that that's for a Yuzhan Vong warrior. That is probably the epitome of death. And right by extension, uh, you know, the Jedi of this galaxy are the most worthy opponents. We want to turn them. Mm-hmm. What about our duty to? That's so good. Plenty of horror, suffering, and Moonquake Armageddon left to cover. And maybe we'll even find out what Leia, Jason, and Jaina are up to. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Didn't talk about them once. No, they're still with Lando. They're at Lando's place doing God knows what. Maybe we'll find out next week when we cover New Jedi Order. Book one, Vector Prime, chapter 17 through 20. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Sweet dreams. (laughs) 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 For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at 
forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.